everyone, and welcome back to Can't Hardly Wait Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1998 graduation party classic Can't Hardly Wait, one minute at a time. I'm Karen. I'm James. And it's minute 10, wherein we find out which action figure has been assigned to X-File 1. It's Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. Because this minute starts with Buffett. Right. (laughs) Um, And I have it going through, and this is I'm gonna. T- I'm just gonna tell you this is not the same scene. We do get one more really, really excellent transition. This minute mm. goes through the line. They say in here, ninety-two percent of honeys at UCLA are sexually active. Now, I could have done an impression of that character, but I didn't. I made a conscious choice not to, and we'll get there soon. <laughs> we sure will. But first, let's talk about some Star Wars nerds. So Boba Fett is another character from Star Wars, and he is far more desirable to be than Grand Moff Tarkin. Let's see. Let me try and make an analogy. So uh, Nancy and Mike's dad is named Ted, and he is both the funniest and also the biggest lump of a person in the Stranger Things TV show. Mm -hmm. It would be like, um, all right, you're going to be Ted and you're going to be the demigorgon. Uh, okay. <laughs> and like or like you're going to be Hopper. Actually, a lot more a lot closer is you're going to be Ted and you're going to be Hopper. Yeah, okay. And so uh, XP2 asks why XP1 gets to be Boba Fett. So Williams says it doesn't really matter and he switches them, but then XP1 is upset. So he says, "You know what? You're both kiss dolls." Um why which is does hilarious. he have kiss action figures? So Kiss is actually historically a fairly nerdy band to be into. Okay. They do posture themselves as like a serious heavy metal tough guy sort of situation, but they are a lot closer to basically uh, comic book action figures than uh, musicians. Okay. Like, yeah. So they, they are to like comic books what like, the Partridge family was to sitcoms where it's like they make music mostly, but also it's mostly that they're this other thing. Okay. So he has them probably for like a nostalgic thing um, based around it being sort of nerdy uh, stuff from the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, If you would like to go see some nerds uh, geek out about kiss, uh, you should go watch the very excellent movie Detroit rock city. Um, Okay. Which I highly recommend. Okay. So they're both Kiss dolls. And then he assigns uh, Mike and his uh, whatever random jock friend he come that comes with him uh, with two football bobbleheads. Yes. One of uh, the one that um, he assigns to Mike, I think, is San Francisco uh, 49ers quarterback Steve Young. Okay. But it looks it looks like he has a bobblehead of Mike Dexter. It it does. It really does. (laughs) Uh, Which is. I don't know if what that says about um, about Steve Young or it or or just white football players or what. Yeah. The other person was also a white football player, but I couldn't tell who it was. It looked sort of like um, Jim Carrey's uh, Riddler from Batman Forever in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. So I'm not really sure what was going on there. Okay. It looked like the guy was wearing a mask or sunglasses or something and sort of smiling very cheesily. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't place them. So I didn't uh, notice yeah. that. I was. So, I was so focused on the Mike Dexter bobblehead. <laughs> yeah. So this is the plan. They're gonna go to the boathouse. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to jump down on the jocks and knock them out. And I paused right there to 
to write that down. Like, this is a bad plan. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, it's a bad plan. But they're going to do it with the chloroform, quote, that we mixed in chem lab. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the camera cuts to this green liquid in a bottle with a skull top on uh-huh. I just realized that the theme of these of these in opening scenes is group of friends, even Preston and Denise included, with bad plans going to this party. Mm-hmm. Denise and Preston have a bad plan. Yep. Mike and his friends have a bad plan. William and his friends have a bad plan. And we'll see, we'll see the next thing. Yep. So I looked up how to make chloroform. Because I was like, could you make that in chem lab? That doesn't seem like... It actually turns out that you can almost make it at home. Oh, wow. The And I'm about to give part of it away, but not all of it in sort of a Fight Club-esque, like, this is sort of how simple it is, but there are steps beyond this. Okay. So you mix one part acetone to 50 parts bleach, or a teaspoon of acetone uh, for every cup of bleach that you use. Okay. It's going to, you want to put that into a container with ice because it's going to get very hot. Okay. And it's also going to uh, fume and you do not want to s- smell those fumes. Well, yeah, because, Don't smell because those they fumes. will chloroform you. <laughs> well, it's not, that's not chloroform, oh. but it is chlorine related. Oh, so, okay. So uh, you want to not breathe that in. Cool. Um, and be in a, a well-ventilated place. So at the bottom of this flask, there's going to be um, it said white crystals or residue or even like bubbles of, of whiteness. Okay. Like white powder at the bottom. So you want to basically isolate that powder and then you're going to distill it. And that's what you need the chem lab for because I, as, as nerdy as he is, William probably doesn't have the glassware for distillation. So you basically distill it into chloroform that will actually be effective. Okay. And it wouldn't be green. I was I was gonna say, <laughs> it, would it be that? Because it was like, a, and it was like a bright green, right? It was like um, science. Yeah. It was like she blinded me with science level science green. Yeah. Like <laughs> like the the stuff that the made the that Ninja that, Turtles into the Ninja Turtles. It's very it's very oozy sort of green. Yeah. But yeah, it wouldn't be that unless you made the if you put in like dye. Okay. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you could make it be that, but it wouldn't be natural. I assume that. it would just be, like, clear, right? Clear. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, I don't know where I read it, but chloroforming someone takes, like, half an hour. So, like, it's not as quick as the It's not, like, knockout gas oh, or whatever, okay. where it, like, you put the handkerchief over their mouth and, like, they are out. It takes a lot of, like, extended holding it there for them to pass out. Interesting. Also, it's carcinogenic, so, like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that at all duly noted not that that should be the reason like that should be the, if that's if for no other reason then it's carcinogenic <laughs> don't do that. don't do that there are faster ways to knock people so, out <laughs> exactly exactly so then the final step of the process is the most problematic mm-hmm. they're going to take off all their clothes and pose them in a quote lurid naked embrace and then take polaroids of them i did not look up Polaroid cameras. That's it was very late. Yeah, that's fine. Instant instantly developed film. Yeah. It it went away and now it's back. Yeah. So yeah, the plan it's a bad plan on numerous levels. Several levels. It's yes. very cringe, very late nineties, homophobic, right, gross. Yeah. Like don't gay as a slur yeah exactly although i will say also probably pretty effective because you know that mike dexter is not going to be pleased 
to be photographed right. naked with another man. It Right. It does sort of feel like uh, give him a taste of his own medicine, but that's not how you should live your life. <laughs> yeah. I do get the feeling... William Lichter needs to let go and just, like, forgive let go of the mic and move on to six yeah exactly exactly yeah i do get the feeling that william is not homophobic so much as supposes that this is something that will be humiliating and upsetting for mike because mike i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say he's probably not super progressive right and we will see evidence of that later yeah in the very special episode of can't hardly wait minute that we have coming up Uh (laughs) uh-huh Cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, the after school special episode. So th- with the plan in place, uh, they start packing up their stuff to leave. Mm-hmm. XP1, I-, I think it's actually XP2 says, do you think there will be any girls there? And XP1 says, are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. And then it, it pans up to um, security camera footage of the entrance to the basement that Mike has, or William has apparently set up, mm-hmm. like, for security measures. Yes. And you, we see them coming out of the door. Also, lots of alien heads. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of alien heads all around. Yeah. And then comes probably the greatest transit, definitely the greatest transition so far in this movie. Yes. It cuts to security cam footage at a convenience store where uh, someone else is on, uh, the, on the, the footage there, and he says... Would you like the exact line? I would love the exact line. And he says, yo, I gotta have sex tonight. <laughs> the uh, the X-File line without that is very awkward because it's like, may even be having sex tonight is so much more awkward than even like the nerdiest of nerds yes. would say. But uh, transitioning to Kenny saying that is hilarious. Yes. So... Yes. Oh, Kenny. So, we meet Kenny Fisher. Kenny is the... Little Kenny the Fisher. The worst and also best character in this movie, I think. He is certainly... <laughs> yes. He is both... Yeah. Well, um... Yes. I would say he is the... His friends might be worse because we don't see them... Well, we'll get to it. Anyway. There's well, no redemption arc. It's a toss-up. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Okay, so uh, he is played by Seth Green, who, if you haven't heard of him, I'd like to talk to you. Because, like, what must your life be like a little bit, you know? Like, you've never experienced anything with Seth Green. Maybe you just didn't know you were. Um, His top three, uh, he was Scott Evil in Goldmember. Mm -hmm. There's a Newsies connection. He was Lyle in The Italian Job. And he says my favorite line in that movie uh, where something good happens and he goes, yes! And he's in a public place and he goes, uh, got the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's the best delivered line. It's so good. I would recommend this. That movie has like Mark Wahlberg who has had some issues in his past. Um, it also has Charlize Theron, which is pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. If you've seen Ocean's Eleven um, and you want to see another 90s remake of a 60s movie, uh, The Italian Job is, is pretty worth watching. Um, and then I just put Robot Chicken because he created yeah. and is on, uh, it turns out not as many episodes of Robot Chicken are out there as I thought. It's like 160 oh. or something. Yeah, I would have thought there would have um, been more. Which is not as many. 
Yeah, uh, especially because um, not in his top three, uh, but he is on. He is Chris on Family mm-hmm. Guy, where according to IMDb, as of whenever it was at last updated, he he was on. He's been on three hundred and forty eight episodes of wow. that show. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> that is a lot of episodes for a very busy man. Uh, he was also Leonardo on 70 episodes of the 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles television show. Oh. And he he's played various characters on 50 episodes of a cartoon called Hulk and the Agents of Smash, where Smash is an actor. Okay. So he's also, um, uh, I would also recommend that you go watch the, uh, the Star Wars uh episode of uh tabletop where he where seth green and his wife and will wheaton and one other person uh play like a a, what seems like a far too complicated star wars like space battle game uh but seth green is a delight to watch both play Mm -hmm. and also flirt with his wife uh who is much much taller than he is (laughs) and it's okay so i would recommend that episode specifically he's i would also recommend the episode of uh armchair expert uh, where Dak, Dak Shepard's podcast, where he interviews um, uh, Seth Green, it's very good, and they've known each other for a long time. Uh, oh, Seth Green was also, I was telling Aaron about this earlier, uh, he was um, a character in a series of um, advertisements uh, where he played a character called the Kaching guy. Uh, it was Rally's Hamburgers, uh, 1992. Oh, it was Chuching. Um, so if you search Chuching, actually, I searched Kaching guy. Uh, if you search Kaching Guy or Chuching, uh, the first one you see is the advertisement for the Rally's television show, or Rally's uh, TV ad, uh, where he plays that character who is a drive through uh, attendant who gets very into his job. And then the second uh, episode, the second video that it shows up is when uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, played the Raiders. Hey, there's a sure. connection. Um, in 1991, and... Uh, Seth Green got to be on the halftime show with the New Orleans Saints cheerleaders leading the crowd in um, doing the ch- the cha-ching thing that he did on that commercial. He became very famous so weird. for this commercial. And uh, so, yeah, um, as far as I can tell, Seth Green is not problematic. And... I was theorizing to Aaron that I think it's because he got very famous for this very stupid, like, not local, but it may as well have been local hamburger Mm -hmm. commercial. And I think it sort of did the opposite of jade him. It sort of was like, hey, look, you can get famous for literally anything, so don't be in it for fame. Yeah. is, Is what I would guess. I don't I haven't heard him say that, but... He seems so well adjusted that I, I feel like that has to be yeah. what's going on. So he and the guy who plays XP1 were in this um, movie that is on YouTube. I'm not going to say what the name of the movie is because it was made by someone who has since uh, been revealed to be quite problematic. But it is about wrestling and it stars. It's, a, it's basically the story of one wrestler's uh, character arc over 20 years on on WWF and WWE. Okay. And all of the wrestlers that are men in the story are played by women. Okay. And the one or two male wrestler, female wrestlers are played by men. And it is hilarious and great. And I was so, so, so bummed to find out that the, that the person who made it 
uh, turns out to suck and uh, got one of the accusations that he got uh, about like sexual uh-huh. assault and stuff was from one of the actresses in oh. this movie. So like it was really upsetting because I thought he did a great job on it and I thought the movie was very enjoyable and I was charmed by it and I was excited to talk about it. Um, but it turns out he sucks. So anyways, so that's that. So for anyone who listened to Newsies Minute and was like, hey, maybe they'll talk about this movie and maybe they'll get the guy who made it on their show just like they did with Michael Gorgian. We won't. We might get no. Seth Green. Um, if you <laughs> Right. If you're interested in in the movie that I'm talking about for research purposes or whatever, DM me or 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 whatever and I'll I'll let you know what it is. It he doesn't he's not making any money off it. He put it up on YouTube for yeah. free. So I'm not too worried about it. I just don't want to really publicize it in this sort of permanent yeah. area. So anyways, then we get uh, Kenny's yearbook mm-hmm. photo. Kenny Fisher, JV basketball, one game. He <laughs> is headed to UCLA and his quote mm-hmm. is, picture me rolling, Tupac. So picture me rolling is the seventh track of the second disc, the 21st track overall uh, from Tupac's fourth album, which was called All Eyes on Me. Um, I saw it touted somewhere as one of the single, one a Tupac single. Um, it's not. It's an album, very deep cut. It's not the the you know the he's not. There's not any sort of words of inspiration. I'm not going to read the lyrics. It's fine. Uh, it is legitimately a Tupac song on a very famous album okay. of Tupac's. So yeah. Okay. I think now might be a good time to talk about Kenny and his friends. Yeah. It's we don't we don't really get a ton with them they're pro- we probably get about 30 seconds maybe 20 seconds with them in this minute but we're gonna right. spend time with them so we should probably talk about how they're what's the word i'm looking for how they're acting uh-huh yeah sure yeah they are uh white kids mm-hmm. that are appropriating black and specifically i think hip-hop culture mm-hmm just about as hard as they possibly can. I think that this is realistic. Mm-hmm. And I think it is played for laughs at the expense of them. Yeah. Um, I think it is definitely punching up and not down. In no way do they... Does this movie make fun of black culture? Or even the black culture that they are appropriating... It basically mocks how dumb they are because they're basically pulling out the most outlandish yeah. parts of everything and turning it into just ridiculousness. So yes. um, I enjoy their performances, especially Seth Green's, in that he's a, an idiot and this is not played for. This is a good thing to do right. in any way. Yeah. And, and that gets touched on... Not to spoil, but that does come up in a future minute. Yes. It, it comes up in a future minute, and there are some comeuppance in a future minute, yeah. too. Yeah. So that, that I think, is a good uh, segue into why his friends are referred to as homeboy number one and homeboy number two. Yeah. I looked up the, the term homeboy just to make sure that it didn't have some troubling connotations. Sure. It, it does not... It were... It, I was worried that it had to do with like like slavery and like yeah. uh, 
slaves that worked in the house versus slaves that worked in the field and stuff like that. Okay. It does not have anything to do with that. Uh, it literally refers to someone from your hometown. Oh, okay. Um, so that, so, and that I saw several places that said that and basically nothing else. Okay. So, um, I was, I was fairly confident with that. So I am going to be comfortably using the term homeboy, uh, at least to refer to these characters. Homeboy number one is played by Brandon Williams, who was that guy? Some is dude? notable. F- no, no, that is he is Kurt from Crossroads. That's right. I knew he was in. He asked Mimi how the fetus is. Yeah, I knew that he was a guy from Crossroads. I couldn't remember which of the terrible teenage boys or young men yeah. in that movie he was. Not guy, yeah. some dude. Not Dylan. Kurt. Right. Kurt. Right. Um, so uh, I talked about this in minute. Actually, if you want to go listen to see what we had to say about him earlier in the year, uh, you can go listen to minute 13 of Crossroads Minute. And yes. uh, that is where we see him. And that is, I think, his only minute. Yeah. So he played Kyle spelled with an I in a show called or a movie called Mean Creek. He was Tony in Halloween H2O, um, which is the second Halloween uh, franchise person that we've seen this Weak, and then he played a character named the Maintainer in Mystery Men. Uh, he was also in Never Been Kissed, and then, I, like I said, we talked about him in Minute Thirteen of Crossroads Minute. Yeah. So, um, but I think largely what we said was I recognize him from Can't Hardly Wait. So that's that. yeah. Homeboy number two is an actor named Robert Jane, but for much of his career he went by Bobby Jacoby. Okay. Um. Jacoby is his mother's name, and he and his siblings went by that. Uh, he and his brothers went by that name because they felt that Jane was uh, too effeminate a last name for them to have uh, successful acting careers. So okay. that's silly. Yeah. And it's clearly pre-Firefly. Um, so. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, he played a character named Melvin Plug in Tremors. That is an unfortunate name. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, he was also, uh, Melvin Plug also is in the Tremors television show, which happened, which was something that definitely happened. Okay. He was Sunburnt Sailor in the movie Pearl Harbor, okay. uh, which had Josh Hart in it, who was also in Halloween H2O. Mm-hmm. And then this is his third of his top three. Uh, he was in 28 episodes of Knott's Landing, which I'm I'm fairly certain someone from Newsies was in Knott's Landing. That sounds familiar. Uh, but I couldn't f- find anything about it. And then he was in 10 episodes of Wildfire, which I'm pretty sure might be a show based on that song about the horse uh, oh. that is, I, I know from Lisa singing it to her pony when she gets a pony, um, but maybe it's about something completely different. I, kn- I know it from my dad. It was a song that my dad used to sing me just all the time. Right. Um, it's a really depressing song. That makes sense, uh, both in terms of... Uh, your dad singing it to you and also why he would have chosen to sing that song to you. Um, and I, it took me a long time to realize that Lisa wasn't just making up. She's like, um, that song was called wildfire. And like, she like make, she stretches out the like eyes in it to talk to this horse. She basically is playing, uh, the horse saxophone renditions of sad horse songs. Yeah. Um, to spend time with it. It took me a long time to realize that that was an actual song. I don't know that the TV show Wildfire is based on that and isn't just about like I don't spies. Think it is. Um, I mean the but the song is about the song is about a woman whose horse like busts out of like gets out of his stable and 
like runs off into a blizzard and she chases after him and they both die a very cold death of hypothermia and maybe an avalanche. It's been probably three decades since I have heard that song. So uh, it was a show that ran from 2005 to 2008. After serving time in a juvenile detention center for stealing a car, young Christine Fiorillo secures a job as a stable hand at Rain Tree Farms. As she works for her way up to jockey, she finds romance and competition from Rain Tree's ruthless rivals, the Davis Farm. I watched this. It looks like it stars Genevieve Padalecki, who is, I would assume, Jared Padalecki's wife from shows yeah. like Friday Night Lights? No, he was on Gilmore Girls. He was on um, Girls, right. Supernatural. Right. Um, he was he in House of Wax. He is the non-Jensen Eccles. Yeah. Right. And then uh, just for the for completionist's sake, uh, Michael Martin Murphy is who did this song, uh, Wildfire, released in 1975. Murphy is spelled with a P-H and an E. Um, so that's fun. Anyways, he was in that. And then uh, Robert Jane has two kids. Okay. So he's not going to take down... Uh, Mike Dexter anytime soon because he doesn't have enough kids. Okay, so. that's that's fair. Do you have more notes? I do not. Okay. Let's talk about Playpen Magazine. Okay. First of all, I couldn't find any evidence to substantiate Playpen Magazine's claim that 92% of the women at UCLA are sexually active. People are more interested, and rightly so, in talking about uh, the preponderance of STIs and STDs among sexually active college kids than how many girls are having sex at at UCLA. So I wasn't able to confirm that claim. Sure. So uh, Playpen is sort of the let's potato chips of adult magazines. Mm-hmm. It uh, it says so I found this um, somewhere. It was oh it was in a it was in an article of the top 20 fake publications. Okay. Um and it says, like the euphemistic cream-filled sandwich cookies that Food Network stars use so often, Playpen is a spliced-together penthouse and Playboy, so Playpen, used by films who've acquired the rights to neither name. It's literally everywhere, from the 1994 film Camp Nowhere, to Friends, to Family Guy, to Malcolm in the Middle, to Freaks and Geeks, to Can't Hardly Wait. It is basically if you are looking for an adult magazine and you don't want to actually talk about an adult magazine, you use Playpen. Sure. There is apparently a cover that is frequently used for the Playpen cover, but this one uses a special one because it needs to be about college. So the cover story is Girls of the Pack 10. Some of the uh, stories advertised on the cover are Sexy Susan, Confessions of a Co-Ed Call Girl. Dr. Gerald Mark on the issue of size. Uh, as far as I can tell, Dr. Gerald Mark does not exist. Okay. And Bowling for Singles. And the the subtitle of this article was cut off a little bit, but I saw how to pick up, and I'm assuming that the rest of that was The Spare, which I'm pretty sure it would be an article about going to a bowling alley by yourself and seeing if you can find a third wheel and trying to pick up that person. Yeah. There is no month on the cover at all, and I couldn't find any reference to who the cover girl of it is, but this magazine did remind me of uh, the Playboy that Jenny from Forrest Gump was in in the movie Forrest Gump, where it was basically like, naked college girls, the issue. Sure. That's sort of what this 
this is. Cool. Um, UCLA is a new is a crossroads minute connection because mm-hmm. Dylan went to UCLA. Yeah. That is all I had for this minute. I do have to say, if UCLA is letting Kenny and Dylan in, I don't know that I have a high opinion of their academics. Where did... Now, I don't know anything about UCLA's actual academics, but based on these two characters going there, I'm not thinking they're great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now... We don't know if Kenny has gotten into UCLA, do we? He just aspires to UCLA, or does it say he's going to UCLA? I think it's like future plans or something. I can't remember exactly how it's phrased, but it is implied that he will be attending UCLA. Plus, this whole conversation is about how he's... I mean, now, he could just be going to (laughs) LA with the intention of picking up some hot college honeys. What they don't tell you about Kenny's backstory is that... um, Eight years prior, uh, he and his two homeboys buried a box full of their dreams in the Huntington Hills oh, forest. They've recently dug it, dug it up, and Kenny's was to see to put his feet in the Pacific Ocean. So uh, UCLA is just a side project um, for achieving that dream. Okay, interesting. Now, see, I would have thought Kenny's would have just been a condom, so fair, a magnum fair, condom. Fair point. So I'm 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 glad to hear that he's changed. <laughs> Since he was Maybe it's not his feet that he dreamed of putting in the Pacific Ocean. Um, And maybe the Pacific Ocean isn't actually what we think it is. Maybe it's a... a Pacific Ocean. Oh, um, time to go. Okay, so social media. We have... (laughs) (laughs) uh, We have a Twitter for the show, which is at J-E underscore Minute Movies. Uh, You can also follow us individually. I am at Unabashed James. And I'm at Unabashedly Aaron. You can support our network, The Scavengers Network, on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash The Scavengers Network. Every month, Aaron and I either uh, collaborate on five recommendations or write a newsletter based on something generally, usually tangentially related to the movie that we're doing a podcast about. We also uh, do stuff for, uh, you know, bonus stuff for our other podcasts, like Thanks for the Lyrics. Um, Aaron has written fan fiction for stuff that she does on streaming. Um, there's all sorts of outtakes and bonus stuff that you get for just $2 a month. So go on over there. Um, when you sign up, there is a Google form, uh, where you can check off all the shows you listen to. Um, so if you want to check off Can Hardly Wait Minute, uh, please do so. And if Can Hardly Wait Minute isn't on there, um, send a message to, uh, to the page of the Scavengers account and Colin, our pod boss, will... We'll get that and, and rectify that. So Yeah. Um, also, the the bonus content isn't just from us. It's from it's creators not. across it's the network. Not. So you get a ton. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you can hear from, if you're tired of listening to us, you can listen to other people who probably have, I would say, better things to say sometimes. Mm, different. Different things to say. Well, based on what I'm pretty sure you cut out of this episode <laughs> prior to the social media, uh-huh. I think better sometimes applies (laughs) or if you really like what we've had to say and you want more of that then there's lots of that stuff too because aaron and i do like to um make content (laughs) so we sure do that is going to do it for the first we're in double digit minutes already on this movie so um 
flying along. Ugh, we haven't even gotten to the party yet. We are still meeting people. I think that we may have met our last... I think Kenny and his crew might be our last, like, main character. Yeah, this is the, the last in, like, the vignettes before the party, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess I guess I should say that um, the Busta Rhymes song that, it, that appears on the soundtrack for Canonly Wait, uh, Fire It Up, uh, Turn It Up, Fire It Up, which features a sample of Knight Rider... Um, is playing under Kenny's yearbook picture when it's paused there. It's not a Tupac song, which is weird. I'm wondering if they just <laughs> couldn't get the rights to a Tupac song. Um, it was a That's single. Possible. It um, just really quickly made it to number 10 on the Hot 100. So, And it made it to number 73 on the 1998 year-end charts. It's a good song. Uh, the Ken the Wade soundtrack is, is really good and uh, very uh, varied. So... Uh, you can check it out. So yeah, I'm, it, I don't know if it appears again, so I may as well. So I, I thought it might be actually a good idea to say it. I'm sorry that it was in like the closing credits of the of the episode of that's the week. Okay, we're just keeping you all on your toes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So I guess let's uh, wrap things up, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. I can't hardly wait. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.